Log Talk Radio. Log Talk Radio. This is the Light of Truth Radio broadcast with Michael Boldea. All right, welcome to the program and thank you for joining us. This is the Light of Truth radio broadcast. I am, as always, your humble host, Michael Boldia. Hopefully this is coming through. If it's working, Gino, give me a thumbs up. All right, we got the thumbs up. Here we are. Here we go. Hot cup of coffee in hand. A lot to talk about. And uh, in the last 30 minutes, of the program, we're going to be talking to uh, Pastor Ken Stoller and Gino about what has been going on out here in Water Tucky. Uh, I've been away, as you all know. Uh, things happened while I was gone, but there's still a lot to talk about until that 30-minute mark because, uh, well, things are uh, happening in this world. Things are happening in this country. Um, and uh, it's, it's good that you know about it. Uh, the first thing, uh, keep the people of Maui uh, in your prayers. Uh, it's a horrible thing that happened. Over 100 people now uh, confirmed dead. They're saying a lot of them are going to be children. They haven't identified a lot of them because uh, the bodies were too badly burned. Uh, there's a lot of theories flying around. The only thing I can say to that is uh, if within, uh, you know, six months to a year, when they announce the rebuilding process, they say it's going to be one of those 15-minute cities, uh, then uh, the best we can hope for is that they didn't let a crisis go to waste. Uh, The worst is uh, confirming some of the theories that are out there that are being floated about, because honestly, at this juncture, at this point, in uh, human existence, in the history of this nation, I wouldn't put anything past anyone that is in power, that is in government, uh, and, and that is attempting to control your life to the minutest of details. Uh, at, at some point, uh, you're going to get a red light in your bathroom if you're using more than one square of toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> those days are coming. Maybe not tomorrow, but if they're allowed to continue with the nonsense that they're pushing, if they're allowed to gain even more power and control, that's where it's headed to. Absolute control over everyone. You are uh, the little rat in the maze. They are the person that uh, throws you a handful of seeds once in a while. And uh, for that gracious act, you're supposed to benevolently thank them for the rest of your life. Now, Uh, Other than uh, the fire raging in Maui, uh, which, again, it's it's heartbreaking. I I understand that, well, they lived in Maui. Yeah, but even paradise burns on earth. That's the thing that we we seem to forget. It doesn't matter how well insulated or isolated we are, bad things can happen while we're here. So uh, other than that, there's uh, this guy that put out a song. Uh, I had it forwarded to me by at least five people. It's called uh, Rich Men North of Richmond. And the thing that I want you to ask yourself, the thing that I want you to consider, is why has a two-verse song by a bearded ginger out in the woods with his steel guitar and his dogs caused such a ruckus? Why does it have the elite so spooked? Why are so many people who we know are mouthpieces for this administration, mouthpieces for the powers that be propagandists to their core, trying to to attack this guy just sitting out there and just strumming along? And the short answer is because He rightly identifies the divide. He rightly identifies the rift as being between the elites and the common class rather than uh, along racial lines. And they can't have that. 
they can't have people's eyes open to the reality that it's, it's not a black and white issue. It's the people in control and the controlled issue. Now, there's an old saying that if uh, the tinderbox is dry enough, any old spark will do. These people are spooked because it's dawning on them just how dry the tinderbox truly is. And if a spark gets anywhere it, near it, they're going to lose control altogether. And that's what they're afraid of. That's why the pushback against this, this man is so concentrated. I don't know him. I've heard the song a handful of times. For those of you that like to clutch pearls and have fainting couches uh, waiting, I don't recommend you listen to it because uh, he uh, sings the song Bologna Sandwich once or twice. So uh, if uh, you have an aversion to the word bologna sandwich, skip the song. But the message is clear. It's about the have and have-nots. It's about those controlling and those being controlled. And it's garnered steam to such an extent that every single day it's, it's got two, three, four million more views. I don't know what it was up to. Somebody said it was up to 13 million. I don't know. I don't check. I don't know the young man. But it's a song that's sung out of anger, out of almost impotence. And it's a song that's connecting with a lot of people. And the powers that be cannot have that. They cannot have a song that points to them and says, you're the reason that we're in the trouble we're in. Because if enough people wake up to that reality... Woo, doggy. Let them eat cake indeed. Now, another thing that took place this past week uh, were, I don't know, what, 40 more indictments, 30 more indictments of one El Presidente Donald J. Trump. Uh, I have it on good authority from the insider of an insider perhaps even from the inside of an insider, that there are more indictments coming. Now, certain public servants who were unnamed were promised free coupons for an Arby's double roast beef with cheese if they can hit the 100 mark on the indictment meter. So they got about 60 to go. And if they can make the possible prison time hit 1,000 years, well, then they get two sandwiches. As such, are our fearless servants of the blind justice we have come to expect in this land of freedom, uh, fueled by the motto that no one is above the law, no sir, no one is above the law, are getting ready to really drop the hammer on former President Trump. Among the new charges, and again, this is, this is just from what I've heard from people in the know, among the new charges that are coming down his way uh, is breaking wind in a closed elevator. And if that's not bad enough, he's also accused of never having smelled it and everyone in the elevator remaining ignorant as to who dealt it. That's huge. So that, that's, that's one of the new charges that they're about to unveil is breaking wind in a closed elevator. There's also a charge of ripping the tag off his mattress which we all know is punishable by law. That's right. The law equally applied is the benchmark of this great nation, kids. And those sworn to uphold the law of the land would rather forfeit their lives than let someone skate on such heinous crimes. I hear he'll also be charged with uh, disposing of a Diet Coke can in a receptacle not clearly marked for recycling, which again speaks to his utter disregard for, for the entire judicial system and judicial process altogether. Because let's face it, I mean, just, just between the two of us, if the man is capable of disposing of an aluminum can in a receptacle not marked recyclables, clearly he's, he's capable of, of genocide. He's capable of mass murder on a grand scale. Maybe they should just, I don't know, charge him with genocide already and be done with it. I think the other side would applaud raucously. That's right. 
Look it up. It's a word, raucously. Now, I can't go through all the pending charges and indictments uh, because we have other things to talk about. But among the more severe uh, are wearing uh, his neckties too long. So that's, that's another one of the bullet points of the indictments. He wears his neckties too long. They're not supposed to extend beyond your belt. That's right. Uh, trying to dance when he clearly can't. Saying the word nuclear instead of nuclear. Uh, being human is another reason uh, he's going to get charged. And above all else, and this is number one with a bullet, and the reason for all of this, for being a threat, to his political opponents and being a threat to the permanent bureaucracy that is siphoning your freedoms every day and every night without fail. I mean, I think we should just suspend due process and hang the man in the town square already. Clearly, his, his criminality is so obviously glaring, so undeniable that it would be a waste of taxpayer money to actually go through an entire court case and proceedings and all this other nonsense. Just hang them. I'm sure the other side would, would be overjoyed. And before you get it into your heads, no, there's nothing to see here, kids. It's just justice being blind, no one being above the law, that's all. Don't, don't start with your conspiracy theories about millions of dollars in Swiss bank accounts and crackheads selling half a million dollar paintings, not because they're not supremely talented, but because it's a way of laundering payments. That would just be ludicrous. The entire Biden family is so selfless and above reproach that Gandhi would wash their feet in humble adoration, all right? So let just, just get that out of your head. On the other hand, the orange man told people to stay informed and engaged. And we can't have that. No, sir. No, sir. We cannot have that. And both parties in Washington agree on this. There's your bipartisanship, children. Both sides of the aisle have come together. Now, shut up and pay your taxes, peasant. Nancy Pelosi needs to restock her ice cream fridge. And Lord knows she's never had a job, so she won't be able to afford to unless you pony up. And again, for those of you that know me, you know this was in jest. It was humor. But uh, what, what do they say? Uh, the best comedy has a grain of truth, and I think we're there. I, I think even people that detest Donald Trump understand that justice is no longer blind. Even people that hate the man for whatever reason, and I'm not saying there aren't reasons, Godspeed, do whatever you want. But it's what? Up to this point, it's 750 years of prison time if he gets... Uh, convicted of all the things he's been accused of, I, I'm, I'm sure they'd like to go for the even thousand. That would, you know, that would make headlines again. But what of all the other politicians that were caught red-handed? What of all the other politicians that uh, there, there, there is plentiful evidence? Let's just say they did far more nefarious things than pass gas in an elevator. The newest headline, and by the way, uh, this is a recording. Uh, we are recording today, Thursday, August the 17th, the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, the newest headlines is that Monsieur uh, Biden, our uh, fearless president who stood up against corn pop and wouldn't take no guff, uh, also operated under a pseudonym while he was vice president uh, and uh, his son, the most intelligent man he's ever met, uh, was doing business with the Ukraine. Uh, 
Mr. I can't. Joe Biden's pseudonym was Robert L. Peters, apparently. And this is just coming out. This really is breaking news, by the way. The, 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 that whole thing about uh, the, the farts in an elevator, I'm sure it's coming, but uh, it, it hasn't been confirmed yet. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer, pardon me while I sip from my delicious beverage. Ooh, coffee, hot and black. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer of Kentucky demanded Thursday that the National Archives and Records Administration hand over all documents and communications in which then-Vice President Joe Biden used pseudonyms such as Robert Peters, Robin Ware, and J.R.B. Ware. Comer listed the pseudonyms in a letter to NARA in which he demanded access to then-Vice President Joe Biden's documents and communications regarding official duties that overlapped with his son's activities in Ukraine. One email, which Comer says the committee has already seen, includes an attachment with the vice president's schedule indicating that he had spoken by phone to then-Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko. Uh, The email was sent to a Robert L. Peters and CC'd to the vice president's son, Hunter Biden. Nothing to see. It's on innuendo. It's just, uh, what was it Hillary Clinton was saying? It's just the Republicans trying to torpedo him. He didn't do nothing. No, sir, he didn't do nothing. Oh, so this is just getting started. And, and the more things come out, guess what happens? The more indictments roll out against uh Monsieur Trump, like I said, I don't care if you love him or hate him. What's happening in this country currently with with the indictments that make no sense is political theater. This is what a banana republic is. You're going after your political enemies using the mechanisms of government and law and the judicial system. This is not going to end well. I guarantee you one way or another, this is not going to end well. Now, I know some of you are thinking, nobody foresaw this. Eh, Some people did. Uh, But I I read an article, I think it was in Texas at a pool party. They were actually talking about civil war and civil unrest. I mean, you're, you're, you know, a few decades late. But, eh. Read up on the things that were said regarding this nation, its future, and what's about to occur. And uh, if they manage to sentence Donald Trump to prison, or who knows, maybe even execution? I know, you think, oh, that's far that's never going to happen. Well, treason, that's, that's the penalty, isn't it? So if, if they manage to sentence the man to prison, I'm not saying all of them or half of them. Let's let's round up and say 10%. If 10% of the people that voted for the man in 2020 can't stomach what's going on anymore and they take the law, crippled as it is, into their own hands, what happens? What happens if, if 8 million people suddenly react not so nicely to the things that are happening in their country? Because we discussed this uh, quite a few times over the last year or so, I wanted to bring to your attention the fact that while the United States lost, I think it was, what, $3 trillion? I think so. $3 trillion worth of wealth is what the U.S. lost over the last year or so. Uh, Russia got $600 billion richer. That's right. 
Remember Uncle Mikey told you that economically the Russians aren't going to get hurt by our sanctions because they have people willing to purchase their oil? So while the West lost trillions of dollars in wealth, Russia got $600 billion richer. On the heels of that, yesterday's news was that the Netherlands has officially entered a recession. Germany is on life support. And pretty much the whole of Europe is spiraling out of control as far as the economy, as far as jobs, as far as people uh, living off of credit or being able to pay their bills. And I understand that some people are still thinking that, well, that's over there and it's not over here. But I promise you that what's over there is coming over here. China is, is starting to uh, divest of the U.S. dollar so that they could uh, keep the yuan uh, afloat. If the Japanese start selling uh, the U.S. bonds that they have, the U.S. bonds that they possess, uh, we are in a bigger mess than even I imagined. And my imagination, kids, is nothing to sneeze at. Everything we're seeing happening within the country and globally is scaring a lot of people that used to be very even keel. It's troubling a lot of people that believed up until now that things were going to get better, that we were going to pull out of the nosedive, and that blue sky ahead. Commercial real estate prices are declining by 20% year over year. Vacancies are skyrocketing. And small banks now hold almost $2 trillion of commercial real estate loans. What happens when people are unable to make their payments for the commercial properties that they purchased because they thought, hey, it's going to be great. Another metric that I've been looking at, not because I'm looking to purchase a car, because no, but uh, because it, it, it goes to show the tightening credit market and the lack of liquidity. Auto loan application rejections have reached an all-time high. I, I've read through this over the last couple of days, and just so you can get a feel for what's going on, the average interest rate on a 48-month new car loan is almost 8%. It's 7.6%. It's the highest since 2007. The average transaction price of a new car is $46,000, 31% higher than just three years ago. And the average monthly payment for a new car is $736. That's the average. The average. It used to be that I paid $800 for an apartment out here in Watertucky. I'm sure that's gone up since then. I haven't lived there in, what, five, six years. But you're starting to see all these things come together. You're starting to see one thing after another flash red. The least affordable housing market in history is here. Homeowners are now spending 40% of their gross income on just their mortgage. In 2008, Right before everything collapsed, it was only 39%. After paying income taxes and mortgage costs, most home buyers now have less than 30% of their income left. These, this, this is all data that I got from government websites. So don't, well, you're just making this stuff up. I really am not. If, 
if I were making up numbers, they'd be very different. Because these numbers are worse than what I believe things would be. And we're not hitting bottom yet. We're not even close. But the thing we should be concerned with is hitting 100 indictments for Donald Trump. I think that's, that's the one thing we can all coalesce around and, and, and focus on, right? Joe Biden was the designated foreign policy point person to Ukraine during the Obama administration. The House Oversight Committee argues that Joe Biden threatened to withhold USA to Ukraine in 2015 until the president of Ukraine fired prosecutor Viktor Shokin, who had jurisdiction for an investigation into the Ukrainian energy company Burisma Holdings. It's not that he threatened to do it, and it's not alleged. He's on video bragging about it. If you haven't seen it and they haven't scrubbed it off the interwebs, it's there for you to see. He bragged about picking up the phone and saying, hey, fire this guy or you don't get the billion. That's, it's no wonder that Hunter Biden's the most intelligent person Joe Biden's ever met. How You bragged about this. You bragged about leveraging a billion dollars in aid. You bragged about leveraging the power of the U.S. government so that a man who was looking into a company that your son was making money off of would get fired. Burisma paid Hunter Biden $83,000 a month for a board position to obtain the Biden brand, as Biden business associate Devon Archer described the arrangement. 83 grand a month. Just to sit on a board. He didn't have to do anything for that money. He just had to lend out his name. And then when things got sticky, when he was needed, daddy stepped in. If you don't fire that man, you don't get your billion. Years later, in 2018, Joe Biden bragged about the firing of Shokin, which he pushed for during an official visit to Ukraine in 2015. And the article actually went back and and, and it quotes him. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars, I said. You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be living, leaving here in, I think it was about six hours, Biden told the audience. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor is not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a gun, that's not the word he used, but this is a family-friendly show. Well, son of a gun, he got fired. Indeed. But hey. Donald Trump ripped the tag off his mattress. And justice is blind in this country. If we can hang our hats on anything, it's that reality. Equal application of the law for the Trumps and the Bidens and the Clintons. Indeed, justice is blind, children. And that is something that you can hope in. Again, being facetious. Oh, mercy. But that's what's going on. And so it's no wonder that a song has managed to stir a fire in the hearts of so many people. It's not, uh, objectively speaking, okay, it's not even that good a song. It's a three-chord progression for Pete's sake. But it's the words. People hear those words and they can relate to them. And it has the elites spooked that so many people are able to relate to those words. The people in power want control. And they're willing to do anything and everything they can in order to have total control. 
so that by the time enough people wake up to the reality that they're slaves in a country that's supposed to be free, it's too late for them to do anything about it. All right, I promised you, and it's 10.30. Now you know what time we record the program. See, there you go. It's a faux pas. But then again, I never claim to be professional. So uh, it is 10.30 here, central time in Wisconsin. And uh, we have Gino, and hopefully we have Pastor Ken Stoller. I am here. And uh, All right, he's here. Uh, I, I, I got the broad strokes of what happened. Uh, Gino uh, filled me in. My brother sent me a video. And uh, why don't you guys, just one of, one of, one of you, you, you rock, paper, scissors it, and uh, just give us a little synopsis of what went on in Watertown. Because it's Watertown, Wisconsin for, you know, that's the thing. This isn't happening in uber-liberal cities. It's happening in dinky towns that everyone forgot about, except, I guess, the transgenders. So uh, give, give us a, a, a synopsis of what went on, and uh, we'll go from there. Go ahead, Gino. Well, uh, the last Saturday of July in Watertown, little town of 24,000 people, our city allowed a Drake show, a tent with nuns dressed in drag, and a whole atmosphere of what you would see in Madison or Milwaukee when they have a gay pride event. We um, protested this event. Literally, the gay pride people rented the whole park. It was cordoned off by city dump trucks. Uh, It was all given over to the use of people dancing on stage, men dressed as women, twerking in front of kids, grabbing body parts like their breasts. And this went on for three or four hours. Um, They uh, had a tent with nuns dressed in drag called Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And they had a blessing tent where five pastors could bless gay people or drag show people. And in the tent were tarot cards and books on witchcraft. And five local pastors decided to be part of that blessing tent. Our group protested, prayed. We had about 150 people. And uh, ultimately, four of the Christian young people were arrested, which Maxwell will get on in a few minutes and talk about that. But in a nutshell, our protest garnered national attention because they arrested a young man reading the Bible on the sidewalk, and they let the drag queens and them go free, did nothing to them, even though they broke city ordinance and state ordinance. Now we're going to have a rally September 7th to blow a trumpet, try to shut this evil down. And with that, I'll turn it over to Kenny. Yeah, well, basically what uh, Gina was just saying, uh, I think that, um, you know, this is the second year that the the city did allow it. Um, The amazing thing is that the, the, uh, the majority of people don't want this. Um, I've been getting calls and emails and and messages from people that are adamantly opposed to this lifestyle, adamantly opposed to um, the grooming of these children, because that's really what it is. I mean, they have clubs that they can do their shows in, but you have to ask yourself, why are they after the young children? What would possess a grown man with a hairy chest to dress up like a woman and paint his face like you know, like a circus clown, and want to want to uh, dance in front of little children. I mean, this is mental illness. This is nothing less than mental illness. Forty years ago, these people would have been locked up in a mental hospital. So the question is really, 
we're, you know, yeah, they have the right for their whatever sexual desire they have, but do it in private, not in public, and and not you know it's at, it, it's obviously trying to groom the little children, and we were out there standing for the little children. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there were in Watertown, um, uh, in Watertown, there's 20 plus churches. Uh, and, uh, of course, all proclaiming to have the truth, some proclaiming to be spirit-filled, uh, but there was only one pastor that showed up to defend the children and to expose the works of darkness that were taking place in the park. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it went longer than three to four hours. It was an all-day event. Uh, there was obviously... Uh, violations of the law on the part of the drag queen attenders, uh, but the police department decided to do nothing about that, turn a blind eye, but were right on it to to come against those that were preaching the gospel or standing for uh, righteousness, just plain righteousness, what's right uh, in society. So, um, unfortunately, you know, we're in a, a position where we have to look like the bad guys because we're standing for what's right and what's honoring to God, what's good for society, what's protecting our children. And the church has a mandate to be salt and light. And I don't care what denomination it is. It's regardless of denomination. We have a mandate to be salt and light in our community uh, and and the nature of salt is, is to preserve, and the nature of light is to reveal. And so that's what we did uh, when we went out there and we protested again for the second year uh, to uh, oppose this wickedness and um, try to defend the children from being uh, groomed for more sexual perversion, uh, uh, you know, and... Um, Again, unfortunately, there weren't a lot of uh, pastors that um, were able to be that salt and light, were able to lead in the community by example, not just by words. Uh, and it's really, uh, it's really sad uh, case that we're in here. And the thing about it is that's very sad is our mayor, who goes to an evangelical church, was part of the process of allowing it, thinking our city would be good to be progressive. This has been the biggest black eye for Watertown we've ever had. It's unbelievable that anyone in authority in Watertown would think that this event had any value. It's a total, as Kenny said, grooming of the kids. Um, they actually danced for three or four hours. It was an all-day event. They did all kinds of wicked things, even got money from the kids for their dancing. And uh, I'm appalled, as Kenny said, that more people from the church didn't come out, stand up, stand for decency, stand for the kids. And uh, it's very sad. It turned Watertown into a little Sodom and Gomorrah. And... uh, We are battling back. We are going to meetings. We are uh, trying hard to uh, shut it down. And you know what I'm amazed at? This isn't, uh, this is America. 50 years ago, if you woke up, what's that, Mike? I can interject, you know. Go ahead. Through through, through all of this, there is a silver lining. And and, uh, it's that the narrative isn't connecting. Uh, they're trying really hard to establish the narrative that everybody's for this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and if somebody rejects it, if somebody stands against it, if somebody opposes it, then, then they're in the minority. I think what happened to Bud Light, I think what happened to Target, I think what happened to any company that embraced this kind of perversion and that tried to normalize it is a testament to the fact that the narrative is failing. Look, the bottom line is the bottom line. And the bottom line is all of these companies that went all in on the nonsense are losing billions and billions of dollars because the average individual is against it. And the reason I mention this is because I know there's a lot of believers. I know there's a lot of pastors that are standing on the sidelines waiting to see which way the wind blows. 
but you don't have time to wait. You don't have time to sit by and do nothing. You don't have time to not open your mouth and speak. Understand that the, the idea that they're in the majority is fugazi. It's, it's a fake. Okay, it's an illusion. The majority in this country opposed children being groomed. The majority in this country opposed uh, drag queens reading to children and bouncing them on their knees because they're, they're decent human beings and they have children of their own and they see what it leads to. So if the fear in people's hearts is that they're going to be in a minority and so they're not going to say anything, you're not in a minority, you're in a majority. And even if you were in a minority, as long as you're standing on the side of right, as long as you're standing on the side of righteousness, as long as you're standing on the side of Christ, you're still in the majority because there's more with you than there are with them. Look, we got this far, and it's gotten so bad because Christians were silent. I blame the church for what is happening because the devil does what the devil does. He right. encourages people to perversion. He encourages people to debasement. It gets worse and worse every day. But we were supposed to be the plumb line. We were supposed to be the barrier. We were supposed to draw the red line in the sand and say, this far, no further, devil. But instead, what do we do? We're standing there waving rainbow flags while perverts are dangling themselves in front of our children walking down the street. So it's time to, to, to get off the sideline and actually, look, if, if you're for that side, then fine. Be for that side. If you're, if you're on the side of right, then be on the side of right. But there's no such thing as Switzerland in this. In this. There, there's no such thing as, well, you know, I'm just going to. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm going to ignore it, because if you ignore it, it's only going to get worse. Sorry, had to interject. Gentlemen, back to you. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right, Mike. And, uh, again, you know, I'm, uh, I'm shocked that um, we have come to a place where pastors are nowhere to be found when it comes time to stand on public issues. And we've been so conditioned as the church, uh, we've been so conditioned to be passive. Uh, we, we, we think that peacefulness is passivity, but it's not. We can protest peacefully. We can stand for righteousness peacefully, but we, we're never called to be passive. When we look at, um, I was talking with, with one, uh, one gentleman, and I said, you know, most of the work of Jesus was done in public. Most of the work of the disciples was done in public, right? They went out and changed the communities. In fact, in the book of Acts, those that opposed the disciples said this about them. They said, these men are turning the world upside down. And so I look at the pastors today. That These are spirit-filled, supposedly walking in the truth, preaching the truth. These are men of God that stand in the pulpit, you know, year after year. Where are they to be found in the public square influencing the community? I mean, I, I know totally I've, been pastoring for, I've been pastoring for 28 years, right? So I know mm-hmm. that there, there is a, you know, you, you definitely want to feed your flock, but you also want to be the example of the believers in all that you do, in your word, in your example, in standing against and opposing evil and doing what's right. And uh, there's a scripture that I like in, in Proverbs 28.4. It says, they that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. So, you know, those of us that are keeping the word and trying to uphold righteousness and trying to uphold the standard of the plumb line, like you were saying, we're going to contend with those that do wicked. We're going to Amen. contend. It's a, it's a natural occurrence. You don't even have to put your brain into it. It's a natural occurrence to stand against evil. Listen. If you saw, if you were driving down the street and you saw a kid being beat up or, or maybe attempted kidnapping, would you not get involved? Your instinct, your natural instinct would get you involved. Now, why do we stand by and we call this, the churches have the audacity to call this a political issue? This is not a political issue. This is vile wickedness. If it doesn't get... If, it doesn't get much worse than this when you're trying to pervert and and um, and uh, assault little children to this kind of wickedness. I mean, after this, what is Amen. it then? 
Is it, is it animals? What is it after this? Yeah. People have to think about yeah. this. But we have a mandate from God. We are to occupy until he comes, not sit back in the pew and be all comfortable. Listen, as a pastor, nobody's going to oppose me in the church. Nobody's going to throw stones at me when I'm behind the pulpit. That's my safe place, right? Even pastors have their safe place. We need to get out there, and we need to be proactive in our communities because as the church and as men of God that bear the torch of truth, we are to be changing our community, not conforming to it or being passive so that wickedness prevails the way it is. I mean, we Amen. have to wake up. The church, the church has been conditioned to just keep hands off, and, and we'll just pray about it. Well, guess what? Amen. There's a time to pray, and there's a time to do what you're praying about. And I think the Amen. church has forgotten both. Amen. And uh, I have Matuella as well on the phone. Matt's a leader in Wisconsin. He was at the event. Kenny, I totally agree. I'm sure our whole audience would agree with what you said. Matt, why don't you give your take on what happened in Watertown? Yeah, well, they were doing evil, and the magistrates are joining in the evil and supporting the evil. And so extremely important, as Pastor Ken was saying, that we speak out against the evil as the people of God and confront it. Um, I tell people all the time, because this is the phenomenon, the uh, sodomites, you know, have shored up influence in every major city in America. Yeah, now they've gone out into the villages and the hill country like Watertown and across Wisconsin in order to push their influence and agenda in the villages and towns of the Midwest. And I tell people if you don't respond to it, you won't even recognize your community five years from now. That's how pervasive this evil is. And it's amazing um, how so many municipalities Villages, towns have gone along with this filth. And one of the reasons for it, Gene, is because of the fact that these NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and even private organizations come in and court the magistrates with money. And they also Mm -hmm. intimidate them with lawyers. So many of the magistrates cave because, well, it's money. Money's attached here if I just go along with the evil. So... Their eyes are all aglow and for the money, so they go along. And then others who are against the evil are weak and so intimidated by the flanks of lawyers that these organizations bring in. And, of course, law is on the side of the evil people now, on the wicked people. And that, of course, goes back to the church because Christians and churchmen have abandoned the realm of civil government. Uh, wicked men have filled the void, and they've made their worldview law policy and court opinion see it's not good in fact evil is now good and good is now evil and have you noticed you'll live in an insane asylum so um, it's extremely important for us as the people of god and as churchmen those who are pastors elders leaders um, engage the magistrates so we have to go to the streets and point people to christ and denounce the wickedness and call men to repentance and faith in him, and at the same time, we have to go to the magistrates and instruct them in their God-given uh, roles, functions, duties, and limits. Extremely important. That's kind of my take on it. It's uh, evil was being done in Watertown. I thank both uh, you and Pastor Ken for um, inviting us to come, asking us to come, and uh, I was encouraged to see a 100 Christians out there from you know, all kinds of different churches. Praise God. Amen. Um, no, you're right on, Matt. And, uh, Mike's from Romania. And Mike, can you just share a little bit about where you see America going? And Well, it doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't take foreshadowing and it doesn't take foresight to see where America is going. The only question is how, how quickly will it get there and that will depend on whether the church does something about it or not. Uh, I, I think that the church is always waiting for its next battle. It's always waiting for their next hill to die on. And for some reason, we keep obfuscating. We keep pushing it forward. Oh, that, this is not the thing. The next thing is the thing. Well, now it's about your kids. And now it's about what, what this society will look like in, in 10 years, in five years. 
And if that's not worth getting off, you know, you're behind, and if that's not worth getting involved, and if that's not worth saying something, even though you know the evil of it, uh, then at some point blood will be required of your hands. Because we're not, we're not here uh, just to warm up you, and we're not here just to, to, to wait for the final countdown and for the end of the world. We're here to do the work of God. We're here to uh, be the light, as Ken said. We're here to preach the truth, and we're here to stand against evil. We're here because we are the ambassadors of God on this earth, and we're supposed to have the strength of character, and we're supposed to have the spine, and we're supposed to have the boldness to call evil evil. And I think when, when either by threat, intimidation, or uh, a, a big carrot of, hey, you know, if you don't say anything about this, we're going to support your ministry sort of thing, uh, a, a lot of pastors and a lot of ministries and a lot of evangelists are, are silent on the topic. And so mm. we're seeing these things spread in places we never thought they would. And if we continue to be silent, then the speed of everything changing will be all that much quicker. I, I think that the church celebrates every victory it has for far too long, and mm. the enemy doesn't take any time to celebrate. He just goes on to the next thing. And so while we're celebrating that, you know, Roe versus Wade got overturned uh, by the Supreme Court, all these other things are happening in our communities. All these other things are happening in our society. And, and we're sitting there scratching their heads going, how did they get there? Well, because while you were celebrating, they were working. While you were celebrating, they were putting people in positions of power that would aid in their perversion. And so it's not, look, personally, from, from, from where I'm looking at it objectively, being a father of two daughters that are not even teenagers yet, I'm not holding out much hope unless the church starts to do something. We're, we're, we're getting to the end game here. I, I think everything that we see happening in the world, everything that we see coalescing, uh, what was the latest thing I heard? The, the Russians are now sending nuclear missile technology to North Korea. All these things are harbingers of the end being near. And I'm not one of those people with a sign out front going, oh, the end is nigh. But it's closer today than it was yesterday, and it's looking like tomorrow it's going to be closer than it was today. And if when he returns, he finds us slumbering. If When he returns, he finds us aiding and abetting evil. And not just, just any form of evil, but the evil that affects the most innocent in society. Uh, I, I don't think it will be well for us. Well, Mike, I just want to say something here. Um, you know, on, we, we almost have to go back and redefine the purpose of the church. Uh, because if the church does not get involved in political issues, if the church doesn't get involved in moral issues, if the church doesn't get involved in public square issues, uh, then what does the church get involved in? Uh, we have to uh, ask raising ourselves... Raising the building fund. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, as long as we can pay the mortgage, we've done our job, right? Uh, but so we have to, you know, we, we've come to a place that we have to redefine what is the purpose of the church. And, you know, according to the Great Commission in Mark 16, Jesus tells them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he goes on, and, and of course, there's other portions of Scripture that, that reinforce the mandate and, and the purpose of the church. But what have we been, I mean, what have we been reduced to? I mean, you don't have to get baptized. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to pray. You don't have to do anything anymore. You don't even have to go to church now, and, and you can still be classified as a Christian. But that it's so contrary. We've lost not just the purpose, but, but we've lost the way overall uh, with everybody's differing opinions on what it means to be a Christian. We have to get back to the truth. And, uh, again, it, if we'll do what God says we should do, of course we're going to have an impact on our communities. Um, if, we, if, if people will get out of their passivity um, and start feeling growth, because you know what the – you know what the the deep state and what the you know the NWO people those that are trying to push this agenda what i see happening trend wise is that you have teachers in the school systems going i'm not teaching this stuff i'm taking early retirement you have people in the police department saying i can't defend this stuff i'm quitting i'm taking early retirement 
You have doctors when they're pushing, even when they were pushing all the uh, Obamacare and, and the medical field was changing and, and making, creating mandates and stuff, you had doctors that were going, I'm retiring because I'm not doing this stuff. I'm not going along with this agenda. So what's happening is in, every, in, in almost every uh, aspect of the economy and, um, and different um, you know, vocations here in, in employment, People are, are saying, I just can't support that, so they're backing out. And what who's filling in the, the void? Those that are being promoted to fill in the void. It's even happening in the military. You have military people saying, I'm getting out because I can't support this anymore, or I can't go along with this. I'm not going to act like I approve of something just because I'm afraid to lose my job. So you have those, those voids being filled in with, those that are being promoted. I mean, look, we have a government that's a circus of clowns. They're, they're you know, probably 90% of them aren't qualified to be where they're at, but they're paid positions. I mean, you have this Fetterman guy, I think his name is Fetterman. Uh, I think he's from what, Michigan or Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. The guy can barely talk. Yeah, the guy can barely talk. He's almost a zombie. And well, yet, he had a brain aneurysm. Now you've got to give the guy yet, a little leeway. Right, but go home and take care of yourself. Don't take a government position. You know, that's my point. Who's really funding all this? And, and we can see that there's a, a pretty big agenda that are filling in the voids, but church people are sleeping, you know. Well, and we, I, we want, have I want to make a point. Self. Go ahead. Sorry, uh, i, I got to make a point because we're almost out of time. And, and the point is this. It's not the world that lowered the standard of what it means to be a Christian. It's the church that lowered the standard of what it means to be the Christian. Yeah. It's, it, we, we, we went away from biblical truth. We, we, we took a step to the side from what it means to be a believer, and we realized that the lower the standard, the more people we could get in. It wasn't about saving souls. It was about filling pews and getting money. And, and in right. that, the modern-day church succeeded. But as far as truly saved individuals, those, those are shrinking numbers. And we can all right. see it because society is collapsing around us and perversion is continuing to, to, to just spiral out of control. So it's not the world that lowered the standard. It's the church that lowered the standard, and the church will be called to account. That's what I wanted to put in. We've got two minutes left. Gino, I'll let you have it. You talk to whomever you want. Um, Thank you all for joining and listening. God bless. We'll see you next week. All right, Thank Matt. You, last words here. We've got two minutes, Brother Matt. Yeah. Well, the Word of God says, you who love the Lord hate evil. And there's lots of evil in the land. And it's stunning to see the indifference that most Christians continue to display regarding the evil. Um, Ephesians also says that we're to expose the wicked works of darkness. And again, we see so little of that being done by the church and look where yep. we're at, genital mutilation of children, drag queen shows yep. for children, the slaughter of the yep. preborn just continues, the evil is immense, and we yep. are as ambassadors, and we must speak. And then, Matt, where can they get your book about the lesser magistrates? Let folks know. It is a very good book. Yeah, it's defytyrants.com, and uh, the book just continues to expand. It's been translated into five different languages now and um, I have a two week um, speaking time coming up in Northern Ireland um, so it's encouraging to see people realizing they no longer have the convenience of being indifferent towards the unjust and immoral actions of their government so if they're interested in that doctrine yeah they can go to defytyrants.com Gino I really like that website title um Letting everyone know September 7th, if you're free, even though you're around the country listening today to the show, we will be at Milford Hills uh, Gun Club in Watertown, Johnson Creek, Wisconsin, Thursday night, September 7th, 6.30 p.m. Maybe we can live stream it. We'll see. But either way, pray for us as we battle for, uh, you know, the faith, our, the Word of God, can see in Little Watertown, Wisconsin, hopefully the cry and battleground of Watertown will show the whole nation we can stand against evil and have victory. We're not going to lose this battle. We're going to win in Jesus' name. God bless you all for
tuning in. Thank you, brothers. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast, The Light of Truth with Michael Baldea. If you would like to order a copy of today's broadcast, please visit our website at handofhelp.com. If you have questions about our ministry, you can email us at handofhelpoffice at aol.com or simply call us at 920-206-9910. God bless you. They are all